Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing in our study of the epistles of the Apostle John. And we're in 1 John chapter 5, and in the portion of Scripture that we've been reading, verse 6 and following, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son." When Christ began and ended his earthly ministry as the Son of God, we see that throughout Scripture. But it did not end there. And this is the thing that we must grasp as we understand the victory we have through our faith in Jesus Christ, as mentioned in 1 John 5, 4. Christ Jesus has continued his ministry... From that point forward, it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Everyone who believes on Christ for salvation receives the gift of God the Holy Spirit, who enters the believer's life immediately to bear witness to the truth. Our Lord had told his disciples about this. He said in uh, John fourteen sixteen, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. How does that make you feel? Why no, we don't move by feelings, but how does that make you feel to know that the comforter, the assuring, loving, confident, victory-inspiring, God the Holy Spirit lives within us. The Spirit himself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. That's how it should make us understand who we are. We have a witness within us from without us that tells us that we are part of the family of God. And we are that through faith, by grace through faith, in Jesus Christ. Well, many times we grieve the Holy Spirit, and we're told not to do that. Sometimes we even quench 
the Holy Spirit. We're told not to do that according to Scripture. And we do this by either A, ignoring what God the Holy Spirit has told us to do, or B, by doing what he told us not to do. So either by ignoring to do, or by doing what we've been commanded not to do. You see, if we commit ourselves to the control of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit of God possesses us truly, then we will be an instrument of peace. We'll be used as a very tool in God's hands to share the gospel with others, to be a blessing to others, to show others the way of truth, to lead others in the path of righteousness. All of that because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. In the scripture we see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now it was depicted at Christ's baptism. It was depicted when he shed his blood on the cross. It was shown through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then that means that because of the truth of who Christ was and is, then we as followers of Jesus Christ have a responsibility given to us by God himself. And we have to tell others about Jesus Christ. That's the God-given responsibility, if you wish to call it that. It is a divine imperative. It is something that has been given to us from God himself. We talk to, to people every day about things that don't matter. The weather really doesn't matter unless, of course, you're going to walk out into the storm without being prepared to cover yourself. But by and large, unless there's some great change of weather, there's no problem with the minor differences that come in weather from day to day. Well, I know if you're a farmer, you might agree with me, or disagree with me, excuse me, but if you're living on this plane of existence without worrying about whether the grass is growing half an inch or an inch, uh, then the weather conditions don't bother you too much until there's some drastic change. But we talk about it constantly. We can't change it ourselves, but we talk about it. We, we talk about things in our family that we have no control over. You know, we talk to others about various things that have no consequence. No doubt you can find uh, the better of several restaurants in your own home area simply because you've talked to somebody who's told you you ought to try this place or that place as a restaurant. Or maybe you can find the best bargains at a certain store because somebody whom you know and trust has told you where the bargains happen to be. Well, you see, the believer the follower of Jesus Christ, the Christian. We have the Holy Spirit of God living within us, and we have the opportunity and the mandate, the responsibility 
of telling others about Jesus Christ. Not to just talk about the weather or where the best sales are, but to tell others about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. God gives us the guidance. God gives us the wisdom through the Holy Spirit. God gives us the power, the authority, and the power to do the work of an evangelist in the sense of going and talking to people. But we have to let the Holy Spirit of God have control of our lives. This is where we often, often, let me say it again, often fail. We hold back and we reserve certain portions of our lives and tell the Holy Spirit to bug off. That's a sad and a very lamentable condition. Don't be caught there. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. According to J. Allen Blair, there are three things listed here in the imperative. First, God's people are to redeem the time because we're living in days of evil. The only solution for the wickedness that abounds everywhere is salvation through Jesus Christ. It is obvious that Satan has influenced many in our churches to be satisfied with a sit-and-listen Christianity rather than a go-ye Christianity. Isn't it true that most of our churches are merely inviting people to come to sit, to listen, and perhaps sing or stand at the proper time? More and more, the methodology seems to be one continuous series of meetings. Now, this is not God's plan, but it is Satan's philosophy, and it's been Satan's philosophy as long as one can remember. He substitutes meetings and greetings and eatings for goings. If we were asked to sum up what's being accomplished for God, we would have to put meetings at the top of the list. But if we expect to redeem the time in an evil and perverse generation, it will be necessary for us to break tradition. Instead of the come-and-sit philosophy, we need a revolution, as urgently as it was in Martin Luther's day, whereby Christians will be transformed from listeners to goers and doers. The second principle is that believers must not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Often the will of God is thought of as how it will benefit us personally. But you've got to understand that one does not always reap personal benefits or personal gain by doing God's will. In many cases, the opposite is true. You lose everything by doing what God has called you to do. Everything that's worldly, everything that's material, and everything that doesn't matter. You gain the eternal and you lose the temporal. The will of God concerns taking Christ to the lost. 
That's the primary function of all Christians. It is his will that the lost be saved and experience the new life that they can have, the abundant life that they can have in Christ Jesus. Second Peter 3.9 tells us about that. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if God is not willing that any should perish, then neither should we be willing that any should perish. Do you get it? Has it gotten through that cranium of yours into your heart yet? God doesn't want anyone to perish. Why should we want anyone to perish? We are not. You see, the priority for the will of God, then, should not be to make ourselves richer or fuller or happier, but it should be to help others. Those of us who are in Christ Jesus have received the light, but millions who are lost in their sins are living in darkness. And this is the reason that God says, Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Then there's a third principle in this passage of Scripture that we have been contemplating, where Paul wrote, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In that portion from Ephesians chapter 5, the third principle is that believers are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. We are to commit ourselves to the Holy Spirit's leadership, and we should be controlled by God the Holy Spirit, not by our flesh, not by our weak and sinful and dotering old flesh. If we're controlled by the flesh, we want what the flesh wants. We love what the flesh loves. We are controlled for selfish things. But when we're controlled by God, the Holy Spirit will desire to do God's will and to communicate the gospel in whatever manner, in whatever level, we may. When we're under the control of God the Holy Spirit, we lose sight of our own interests, and it's done in a sacrificial way, because we reach outside of ourselves. We get outside the box. We get outside our frame of reference. And we try to reach into the lives of those who need the Savior. That's one reason why short-term missions to other areas than where we live are so popular among many Christians. We ought to be doing the same kind of outreach at home that we do in strange places. But yet, most of us, don't do it at home, but boy, we we are excited about doing it somewhere else. 
Now, I've got no problem in doing it somewhere else because I do it somewhere else. I try to do it here, too. But I love to go on a short-term mission trip. I love to be with people who are absolutely dedicated to the proposition of reaching others for Christ. And I desire to see that dedication, that commitment, in my home area as well as I see it when I'm away somewhere, maybe thousands of miles from home. You see, we need to reach outside our comfort zone, outside our area of understanding, outside of our, well, what's the word I'm looking for? Neighborhood, perhaps? We need to reach outside of ourselves to reach those who need the Savior. And so that's the third point or principle from that portion of Scripture. I don't know what excuses you use. I've got plenty of excuses not to witness. You see, we have a supply of those. I think that they're in our uh, human pack from the time we're born, but especially from the time we're born again. Some say, I don't want to offend anyone. I want, don't want to drive anybody away. Maybe that's why uh, short-term efforts in strange areas are effective. Because you don't have this uh, self-imposed burden or restraint. Uh, because you don't know the people, it doesn't matter what they think of you. Maybe that's exactly what it is. I don't know. But whatever it is, my friend, get over it. And get on with it. Witness to those in your own neighborhood as well as those outside your neighborhood. Witness to them of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continuing with our study, in addition to the three witnesses in the earth, there are three in heaven. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now these authorities who write on these things and who talk about these things, um, those who have been students of the Word far deeper than I, say that this verse is not contained in the oldest manuscripts of the epistle. It could have been a marginal comment or whatever. But just to let you know, there's nothing wrong with what it says. In fact, it's very true. And if I were making notes uh, after verse 6 and preparing this study, or making notes preparing for a sermon, then that would be a good note. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And yet, this was accepted, even though there are many scholars who say that it doesn't belong. It quite honestly fits very very beautifully right there. Verse 8, And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So we have, This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. 
And there are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And then we read, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified in his Son. This is the witness of God, which he hath testified in his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself, and he that believeth not God uh, believeth not. And there should be a comma there, in my opinion. But he that believeth not, God hath made him a liar. And why then would one be a liar? Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. We believe in the truth or not, and if we don't, we have made God a liar. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the postal service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumble, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.